Welcome to Let's Talk Parish. Let's Talk Parish will be an opportunity to learn about some of the people that call the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament in Sacramento, California, home. My name is Chris, and I'll be the host for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Good afternoon, Andrea. Welcome to Let's Talk Parish. Thank you, Chris, for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's awesome that it's able to work out. We originally scheduled this for... Uh, to be at the uh, the rectory at the cathedral, but it's the day after Thanksgiving and everything's closed, so we're doing this over the over the phone. And I'm glad we have this uh, technology that we can we can do this. It's also cold, so people may hear you know my heater in the background. Um, yeah, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, why don't we go and get started? And uh, you've uh, consented to saying the opening prayer, so um, let's go ahead and get that underway. Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask that you bless this conversation that we're about to start, um, and that you open our hearts and our minds and our ears whatever it is you want to tell us, um, whatever it is that you're asking us to grow in um, and to continue fighting right, um, for your will and to kind of share your love and feel it, share that with the world. Um, I'm just grateful for another day and grateful for the Thanksgiving that we celebrated just yesterday. I'm just grateful for my family and and our cathedral family as well. Um, yeah, we ask you to bless this conversation in your name, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we just met for the first time, what, a, a week or so ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, how do, you, how, do you, how do you pronounce your last name? Martin Borges. Martin Borges. Okay. Um, great. Cool. So um, you have recently um, taken on the welcoming committee and welcoming team at the cathedral. Yeah? Yes, that's right. Right. <laughs> so um, were you a uh, cradle Catholic? You- yeah. So I grew up, um, you know, cradle Catholic family. My parents on both sides, and but my family's on both sides are both Catholic. Um, and so I, I grew up with that um, Catholic background, mm-hmm. you know, with all the customs and traditions from Mass, from Catechism. Um, my grandma, actually, on my mom's side, was a Catholic for many, many years. Um, starting off in, in Mexico, where, she, where she's from. And then when she moved to the United States, she continued that well into her, I would say, maybe like her. Um, so yeah, she's, she's, I have a great, um, role model and kind of person of faith pushing me, um, my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually live in my grandma's house. Oh, you do? So she's always, yeah. So we, I actually have that, yeah, you know, resource there with me. That's awesome. So, um, your parents were the first generation then born here in the United States? Um, come, I'm actually, 
I'm um, for the fifth generation because my parents came from Mexico. Oh, they did. And they, yeah, they formed their family here. Um, and I was actually the first one, um, you know, growing up here and actually being from the United mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so, But you were born here in, in California? Yeah, I was actually born in Davis at Sutter. Oh, in Davis? Yeah. So you've grown up here. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I was in winter, so Davis is just 10 minutes away. It's really close. And so did you, did you, you, did you grow up uh, going to the parish there in Davis? No, I actually um, grew up uh, going to the parish in winters at St. Anthony's In parish. winters, because that's where you are now, in winters. Mm-hmm. Yes, I lived in winters my, my whole life. Yes. Oh, Okay, yeah, because Winters isn't that far from Davis, actually. So you weren't actually born Mm-mm. in you weren't actually born in Davis. You were born in Winters. No, I was born in. There's no hospital in Winters, oh, so the gotcha. nearest one was in Davis. Gotcha. That's the only thing about small town, right? Um, you have to kind of drive out, you know, to get your groceries or go run errands and stuff. I'm yeah. going to the doctor, so that was at least I was in our situation in my family. So I was born in Davis, but even though our home is in Winters, um, that, that's just where I was born. <laughs> I see. Okay. But yeah, my home parish was St. Anthony's Parish. In Winters. Is it, I'm, yep. I, I'm guessing then it's a small small parish. Yes, it's a, it's a small parish. It's a very small town. Probably like, I don't know, maybe like a thousand people, two thousand people at most. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty small. What um what's your earliest memory of of um of church and everything? My earliest memory of church. Hmm. Do you remember your your Do you remember your first mass? Oh no, I don't remember my first mass. To be do honest remember, with you, do you remember um uh going through confirmation? Oh, definitely. Okay, we can start there. Um. Yeah, so I went to catechism in winters. I received my my preparation and everything with all the kids. Um, yeah, and my catechism, one of my catechists for confirmation was uh, one of my neighbors, and she was actually my preschool teacher. Oh, wow. Um, so I already, like, she already knew me. She pretty much taught all of us because she was the preschool teacher um, for winters. So m- pretty much all the kids that were in my class and all my classes of information had already, you know, had class with her, you know, when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it was a positive experience for me, um, you know, going to catechism. Um, I felt like I didn't really take it too hard at the time. You know, I was still growing up, I was still a kid. Um, I haven't really had an encounter with Christ, right? You right. Know? Um, but I, I look back on it as, um, a positive experience overall being able to be with my, with my friends and also with, you know, community members that I grew up with. Did your family have uh, family devotions at home? My grandma loves to pray the rosary. Mm-hmm. She prays it every day. Um, she has her, her times where she goes to her room and, you know, in quiet or, you know, after she's done cooking. Because usually my grandma gets up really early in the morning and she starts cooking you know, and then by the time it's like 11 or 12, all the cooking's done, and she has like this break time for herself before she has to do other other things. Mm-hmm. So usually like around 11 or 12, 
um, I see her walk to her room and she starts playing the rosary. Or sometimes she would do it um, in the living room. Um, we have played as a family the rosary, you know, especially during like Christmas or Advent or um, we're praying for someone who has recently passed away mm-hmm. or who is very ill. We'll get together and we'll pray as a family. Oh. Um, so I guess the rosary is kind of like a devotional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Well, that's cool. So after after communion, uh, I mean, after a person goes through um, confirmation, many times they then start becoming a little bit more active in the parish. Um, were you ever an altar server? Yes. So I was actually pulled in. <laughs> so for, um, a little bit backstory. My, I have, I'm the oldest sibling. Okay. Um, I have two younger brothers. One is in heaven. The rest are twins. One of them is in heaven. Um, and then I have a younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and then both my parents are together and they're married by the church. Um, so my brothers were very ill um, since they were babies, pretty much. Um, they had cancer for a while. And so we always had father, a priest here in Winters, um, Father Umberto. Father Umberto, he would come visit our house um, and, like, you know, pray with us and pretty much give some good company and comfort to my parents. Well, mostly my mom, but he would always come and he would have lunch for supper with us. Um, and so I would see him often. And at the time I was learning how to play guitar. Mm. Um, just this cause, and I was probably like, mm, I was probably like nine, nine years old, eight or nine, somewhere around there. Um, and one of those afternoons, he, uh, he invited me to, um, be an altar girl, you know, serve as an altar assistant or mm-hmm. altar server. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at the time I was really introverted. I didn't really, I wanted to be in the back. I didn't want to be noticed or anything. Right. Um, and I haven't really been invited to help for the church in any way until then. That was my first time being asked, like, oh, you want to help us do this? Mm-hmm. And so, like, my first reaction was, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to. How about no? <laughs> how about no? So, how about no? Um, but because I, I, I was too shy, I, I didn't want to, you know, stand in front of everybody. Everybody's going to be staring at me. You know, your mind of a teenager is thinking that I was paying attention to you, right? But, <laughs> but that was that's just how I felt. Mm-hmm. And so my mom, hearing this from the kitchen, she was, um, she was in the kitchen. I think she was doing dishes or preparing a meal or something. I remember her. Like the voice echoed in and her coming around the corner into the living room where uh, father and I were playing guitar together. And she was like, no, she, she's going to try it. And um, she's going to give it a go. Because it'll, it'll do her well. well. And she said it in Spanish. Um, and so I was kind of like, oh, God, I'm shocked. <laughs> I got no choice. So um, the father was very excited um, about it. And when I went to the rehearsal and kind of like a small orientation with a few other techniques like two or three other um, kids with me, not just me that he had invited to to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, this isn't too hard. I don't, I don't have to talk. I don't have to like do anything too hard. Um, you know, I'll keep, I'll, keep, I'll stay, right? And mm-hmm. that was just the rehearsal. And so after my first match, 
I just, I, oh man, I had never, it was very special to me because I had never experienced the mass um, being so close to the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. It's always like in the audience in the middle or towards the back where we would usually sit because my brothers were pretty loud, um, you know, little kids. Um, and so I really, that, that was very special to me. So I really liked that. And so I think it was, this, this feeling of being so close to Jesus mm-hmm. that, you know, kind of said, you know, that made me stay. And so I served as an altar service for a really long time. Um, well into probably like my end years of middle school, going into my freshman year, I stopped. I was like, all right, I'm full. Cool. <laughs> I to let someone else come in and take my spot. That's funny. Were there schools in winters or did you have to go to Woodland or Davis for school? Actually, school same when it's same goodness. <laughs> um, we have, you know, from head start to you know, preschool all the way through through um, high school, mm-hmm. and we have like a continuation high school for students who need that extra time. Um, yeah. Right. So when you get to junior junior high, it's like, okay, I need to step down from this. Did you um, did you ever serve in any any other capacity, like as a as a lector or an extraordinary minister of the Holy Communion or anything like that? At that age, no. But, at, um, you know, how God works in serious ways. Yeah. I was always kind of involved. He always kept me involved in the church, serving in some sort of way. So when I stepped down, like just when I was about to step down, you know, like in that transition, um, I, my uncle was looking for a guitar player okay. um, for a choir at Holy Rosary Church in Woodland. Okay. Because I have family that, a lot of family in Woodland that go to that parish. Because I think it's the only Catholic parish in Woodland. So, um, so he was looking for someone. And it was a youth, um, youth choir or young adult choir. But I was like, the young one. Mm, okay. <laughs> All the rest of the people were like in their early 20s. Um, and I was the only one who was like a, a teenie, a teenager. <laughs> um, and so he asked me and he knew that I had already started playing guitar and I kind of had some of the basics down pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, why not ask my niece, right? She's in my family. I know her and, and she can help. Yeah. Keep it so in the family. Said, sure. Yeah. And so I accepted and, you know, once I left um, serving uh, as an altar girl, I, you know, fully committed to this choir with my uncle on the Viva with the name of the choir, and um, I did that for a while all throughout high school, and then I stopped when I was going to go for college, um, you know, I was like 18, 17 at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and I had told, I had talked to him about it, um, I was like, you know, I really like serving, and, you know, I want to keep helping, but I'm not going to be here, you know, it's going to be harder for me, I have other commitments now for school, and moving away, and all that sort of stuff. And so I, you know, I kind of prepped him that I'm going to have to eventually leave that ministry. Um, but yeah, I, I served as a guitar player for a really long time as well for so, um, my high school years. So what were you going to say? Oh, I, that I served um, as a guitar player for that part of pretty much my whole teenage life in high school. So where did you go to college? Where did you go to college? So right after high school, I went to UC Merced. Um, yeah, and but then I dropped out after the first semester. Mm. 
Um, and then I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to study and where I wanted to go. And so that lasted for about a year until next August, August 2017, when I enrolled in a community college in Muslim. Mm-hmm. So then I, I studied uh, my associate. I transferred to Sac State um, and finished with my bachelor's in child development. Um, so like education, teaching, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yes, thank goodness that, um, thank God really that he kind of offered me that second chance. Yeah. When you started going to college, were, did you continue going to mass or, or did, how did, how, how did your faith manifest itself while you were going to college? So, let's see. So I, being the oldest and being a girl and, you know, in a Latino family, um, at least in my experience, um, I was very kind of sheltered in a way, so I didn't really, like throughout my whole life, I didn't really go out, you know, do sleepovers or going on play dates or that kind of thing. I didn't really participate in any like activities in high school, like the dances and stuff. I wasn't really like allowed to go and okay. participate in those. Mm-hmm. And so when I graduated high school and I was moving away to college, I was like, this is my time, you know, freedom, and I can do whatever I want, freedom. whatever I want, right? And so, you know, I was, I, I was able to balance my schooling and, you know, my responsibilities um, as a person. Um, well, probably like the first, what, three months. But then, um, and I also had a boyfriend at the time. Uh, we dated in our, our senior year of high school together. And that continued well into my first year of community college. But when I was in, in relationship with this person, um, he was not of the faith. Oh. Um, he didn't really know if he believed in the God. His, parent, his grandparents on his, I think it was his mother's side, um, yeah, his mother's side, uh, were Catholic, but they didn't really practice. Only like on Christmas or Easter, that was it. Got it. Um, so he didn't really grow up in that background. That kind of hurt, or hurt my faith into test. Um, because he wanted to do things that were, that I knew were like against what I believed in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at the time, I, you know, I was just like, well, I'm a loving person, so I want to make it feel bad. Right. So I was just go ahead and do these things. And there were those things I can't take back anymore. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I live with regret because I, I don't in a way. Because if I hadn't experienced those things, I wouldn't be the person I am. True. Um, if that makes any sense. That's true. Um, but I did fall out of my face quite a bit. Um mm-hmm. I did a lot of sinful things in college and I tried, you know, like drugs and, um, you know, sexual life and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so my faith was being taken away. I still went to mass, right, with my family because I would go home on weekends. Every weekend I would go home um, and go to mass and everything, but I, I didn't feel like I was really living it. I feel like a disconnect and mm-hmm. it felt like I was living a double life. If that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. Um, I, I think a lot of people can identify with that. Yeah. And you know? so eventually I, you know, I, I dropped out because, you know, consequence of my decisions of not going to class anymore. I was, you know, under the influence of drugs pretty much all the time. And, uh, you know, that affected me. I wasn't able to manage mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And so I dropped out and, um, 
And just when I was right before I jumped out, I had lived a retreat from search um, that I was invited to. And at first, I didn't really want to go. I was like, I don't really need a retreat right now. I got stuff going on. You're not cool. And I don't even know how I'm going to go. I don't even have a car to go. Um, but somehow, things worked out really well. I got a ride there. And that that was like an eye-opener for me. That was like my first like real powerful encounter with Jesus. Wow. And his love for me and uh, his mercy for me at the time. And were you going, um, to, were you going to sex state at the time? When, when this retreat took place, were you, were you going to sex state? I was going, no, I was still at Eastern Merced. Uh, it was in November, so I was just on the home stretch of coming back home. <laughs> um, yeah, it was all like around this time. Actually, I think uh, last week, two weeks ago, I, it's been six years, actually, since I lived that retreat. Oh, six years. Um, mm-hmm. And so that... You know, I, I was able to experience um, God's mercy on me, mm. but at the same time, inviting me to come back, mm-hmm. to really come back and, and try to make a change in my life um, so that my soul doesn't, you know, get lost um, with all the sinful things that I was doing, um, not really recognizing how, how bad that has, like how bad of an effect that has on us. Mm-hmm. Personally, um, so yeah, that since then I, I was like, I gotta, you know, I'm not going back to what I used to do. Um, and then I started coming back to my faith, and I started, you know, actually living the mass and really paying attention to, like, you know, what the priest is saying and like the things that we are saying, and then saying that like with my heart, you know, really meaning what I'm saying. Right now, did you have to break up with your boyfriend at that point? Yes. Um, because of that encounter, because of that, after that retreat, um, I started feeling, um, curiosity or this attraction. I had fallen in love with, with the Lord, like very passionately. I still fall in love with him all the time, but that time was just like, I was like infatuated. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but I, it was just so strong mm-hmm. and I just wanted to love him and give my life and myself like in body and soul to the Lord. And I was conflicted and like, do I want to, you know, become a religious? Yeah. You know, I thought at the time I was like, I never felt this way before. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling like content in the relationship I am right now. It's, it's not healthy for me. Um, so I was kind of at, at a, you know, at a fork in the road mm-hmm. and I had a choose eventually, like, what did I, what do I want to do? And so I was, Really conflicted. I was crying one night. I remember it's probably like 12 or 1 in the morning. I was just crying in my room because I, I didn't know what to do. And I was just feeling really, really overwhelmed. And I was kind of praying at that time. I remember I got on the floor on the carpet. I was just kneeling in front of um, an image of the sacred heart of Jesus that I have over my bed. Mm-hmm. And I was just crying. And I was like, Lord, help me do whatever it is that I that you want me to do and that I know I should do. And give me the courage. You kind of take that step, you know, um, and become more free in your life. That was kind of what I was, you know, going in my brain. And so, you know, after a lot of, after that kind of crying person that I had, um, it felt like I I had to tell my ex-boyfriend, like, you know, um, things aren't really working out. And I've been feeling this way about, you know, 
probably not religious life um, after this week because I would tell him everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I told him that and he didn't take it very well. Oh, I'll bet. Um, he seemed a bit upset. Um, but I know I went with it. I didn't go back. And, you know, things are, I'm much better off now today. Yeah. Who knows if I would have stayed with this person, you know, not face my feelings. Yeah, it would have been completely different. What uh, now? So it would. So you went through all of this before you transferred to Sac State. Yes. So when you came to, to Sac State, um, you're further now. You're even further away from family. Yeah. Um, were you able to mm-hmm. to maintain that strong relationship with the Lord? Yes, I actually became close with my family because my bed is like three hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I couldn't come except for weekends. So I didn't see my parents or anything until, um, Friday night, Saturday morning, and then come back by Sunday afternoon. Um, so when I came back and started going to community college at at Woodland and in South State, um, I became closer with them. Um, and so when I was going to school in Woodland, I got really close, you know, I, after that retreat, I was really, you know, inflamed with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so I searched, um, our CIA because I wanted to learn more about my faith and have a refresh on, you know, yeah. why I was taught in catechism. Mm-hmm. Just cause, you know, and so I went, um, to Woodland's our CIA group and I was, I ended up being a sponsor for one of the candidates that was there. Oh, and great. me and her and I are still in touch today. Great. Um, so, yeah, so that was, you know, God makes everything happen, right, at the perfect time. Um, and then in all that process, I, you know, I would, between classes or between work in Woodland, um, I would go to Holy Rosary and just sit in front of the tabernacle and just pray mm-hmm. um, or do an adoration if they had it on on days that I went. I would go and pray for like an hour or whatever time I had between wow. know, classes and stuff. And then I would go to confession every week on Thursdays, same at Holy Parish, Holy Rosary Parish. Um, so I was, my, my relationship with God was very strong, um, I would say, at the time, because um, I was still kind of on fire from that retreat. And I maintained that for probably like two years. Wow. Um, my, my, throughout my whole time, I wouldn't come to college, which was two years, for sure. Um, and then when I transferred to Sac State, things changed a bit because, you know, I'm not in Woodland anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm in Sacramento, and I had never been in Sacramento pretty much, like, very few times with my family. So it was, like, a whole new world for me. Right. Coming from a small town into the city, I was, like, I experienced a little bit of culture shock in a way. Oh, I'll bet. Um, I didn't really know anybody. I didn't really know the roads, the places where to go. So I had my phone on me all the time. <laughs> um, so I didn't really venture out a lot to explore, like, oh, what places are around me or, like, any uses. I didn't really think of that. I was kind of just like, I'm just going to sack for school, and I'm going to go home and then not worry about anything else. not worry about anything <laughs> was, else. Well, you know, real close <laughs> to Sac State is the Newman Center. Did you ever? I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Until when I was going to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you never really got involved yeah. with any any type of on-campus activities with the Catholic community there, Catholic students? No, sadly, no, I did not. Mm. So when did you, um, well, let's, let's put it this way. When you graduated from, from college, 
Um, did you move back home? Did you stay in Sacramento? Did what? What happened after graduating? So I had actually never moved out of my house throughout my whole time in school. Like since I graduated high school all the way until I graduated high school, I to this day I still live with my parents, oh, okay. my grandparents, and my parents. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't really have to experience like, oh, I'm gonna be by myself now. Um, it's yeah. Okay, did you did you live on the dorm in the dorms on, on campus or? Um, no, I did not. I stayed home. I figured I wasn't gonna be able to afford to live in the dorms. Well, so um, so when you went to Sac yeah. State, I mean, you couldn't commute. So where did you stay? So I actually did commute because um, I did Woodland. I got my parents bought me my first car, so I was able to have some more mobility. I see. In going to school. Sorry, I left that out. But um, yeah, at the time when I went to Sac State, I already had my car. So you commuted every um, day to Sac State from so from every day I commuted. Yeah, from home. Holy mackerel! Yeah, that's a long drive. It, it is. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So after after you graduated, you you then you moved back home. Did you get a job in Winters or Woodland or? Yeah. So after I graduated Sac State, I actually got a job here in Winters. Thankfully, mm-hmm. as um, in the preschool, in the preschool center here, I I was a sub for probably like almost a year. Um, so yeah, and, I, and and then after that, I found another job this year um, uh, in Woodland, and I work uh, for Woodland Prairie, mm-hmm. um, an elementary school um, in special education um, as a paraeducator. Um, yeah, so I'm still in the in the normal classroom in PK. Um, if that if nobody knows that's transitional kindergarten, um, and with all the kids in a gen ed classroom, but I'm assigned to this one student who's who's on um, on special education. Okay. He's on who's on an IEP. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of assigned ed- to him. IEP okay. is individual education plan. Yes. Um, and so I assist him and I follow him all the time. And he's on a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's kind of dependent on me in a way to, like, you know, get around and, and get things done and stuff. So, cool. But it, it's, been, it's been so fun. I really love this job. Um, and I just hope I get to stay for a long time. So how did you find yourself at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament? Well, my my parents were looking for a base formation program for my brother. Because he, he actually has autism. Hmm. Um, he's non verbal. Um, but my mom wanted him to get, you know, to receive the sacrament. Um, and so she was looking and she found um that the cathedral offered um like a special ed catechism program hmm. um in Spanish. And so she was really excited about it. She's like, Well, let's you know, let's go check it out and then, you know, just to you know, when we whenever she would go, well we would all go with her, right? Why would you know, her and my brother go, and then the rest of us stay at home. Mm-hmm, so we would right. all go to Sacramento at the cathedral um, and just hang out there. Because um, when the kids weren't receiving their formation, the parents would stay um, in Mercy Hall, and they would receive kind of their own version of whatever was being taught that day. Okay. And so I, you know, my mom, my sister, um, and I, and my dad sometimes, he would usually stay in the car, but... Um, we would listen, and like I, really, I, I was just really interested in how the parent leaders would 
give their own like permission to the parents and the families of the kids who are you know enrolled to receive sacraments. Um, and so because of that, we ended up you know coming to mass here at the cathedral and just kind of getting more involved hmm. in the community. Does your whole family come to the cathedral then? Uh, yeah. Well, my mom now tends to go to um, Our Lady of Guadalupe okay. Terrace, mm-hmm. which is on S. I think it's you know, on S neighboring. Street. Yeah. Um, she likes that church a little bit more because mm-hmm. it's Spanish and it's more, you know, like towards her culture and what she grew up with. Mm-hmm. But I stayed at the cathedral. And, I mean, they still come, right? But I'm kind of more involved with the cathedral and my parents. And my parents are more involved with other Did your brother end up receiving the sacraments? He did. And my sister ended up receiving um, her first communion and uh, confirmation. She has a cathedral as well. My brother hasn't received confirmation yet, um, but he has his first communion. Very exciting. How old your brother? My brother turned 17 in September. Okay. Very cool. That's great. What, um, so recently, um, you know, there's been some emphasis at the cathedral on stewardship and the various aspects that the people, uh, parishioners can get involved and do various things in the, uh, in the parish. And you have uh, taken on the welcoming committee the welcoming team. Um, what um, what inspired you to do that? Well, um, I just, I feel like, um, and I think many of us can agree that, you know, cathedral, you know, the location and everything being in downtown, it's more of a commuter parish mm-hmm. family rather than, you know, like winters, small town, everybody goes there and, Everybody stays there. Everybody knows everybody. Um, everyone knows everybody, and it's like a big family, and, and you can feel it. Right. But at the cathedral, it feel that way. And it's, in part, I would say, you know, the structure, the location, things that we can't really control. But on the other hand, I feel like more can be done um, in terms of kind of sharing God's love. Um for ourselves, but also for our brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. um, as he loves us and how he has taught us um, how to love in that way. And so I've always been kind of, I'm, I've always been told that I'm very, you know, bubbly and positive mm-hmm. and always smiling all the time. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I feel, I, I'm always told to that, like, we, we need more people like you. We need more people like you. And so I didn't really give it much thought because um, how I got into involved in welcoming, um, it was right when we were going to begin opening up our church doors right after the pandemic, which is what, last year? Yes. Um, I think January, February of last year, 2021. Um, and stewardship had just started too. Um, stewardship um, advisors, it was a new group, is a new group still. Um, and so um, we were being, you know, formed in this message of we have to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us. And obviously we need to start with welcoming. That's just this pillar um, for hospitality, being a hospitable parish to people who come, either parishioners or visitors or just people walking by, anybody. 
we have to be welcoming and, and bring them in and help them feel like, you know, valued and that we appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of started, I remember Ruben and Victor um, were starting this, this project on welcoming and greeting. Um, and so I, kind of, I got involved with that. Um, and I really liked it because we would go, we would stand in front, out front on the set and just greet people as they walked by. Um, and then I did that for a long time. But then I got involved with, you know, teaching catechism and, and other things. And I wasn't really able to come as much anymore. So I kind of fell out of that. Mm. Um, but even when I wasn't greeting or welcoming, you know, wherever I was, I, um, you know, going to church and everything, I always say hi to people walking by and be like, oh, hey, so-and-so. Like, I'm trying to remember the name. Like, hey, like, how you doing? And I haven't seen you in a long time. How you doing? Or how's so-and-so? Like, how's your family? You know, whenever, wherever I go, I always try to talk to people um, and just make connections with them. Mm-hmm. That would be Sister Lisa or Father Michael or Kendall or other personalities that I know. Um, and I was kind of just to keep those connections. And so I feel like, hmm. God kind of put me in this position in a way because I wasn't really thinking of, you know, pushing on. I didn't even know they were looking for a new person to lead this ministry. Um, and so when Ruben came up to me and mentioned it to me one evening that we had a, a gathering, I, he kind of took me off guard. I was He caught me off guard. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was in shock. Like, you guys, you guys want me to take on this whole ministry? Um, and I was kind of scared honestly to say yes Mm -hmm. because I if you don't know already I I'm a catechist I help Lisa to teach I I was involved in stewardship a lot like really I was like deep deep in stewardship and I'm also part of parish council and so I had these three ministries under my belt and I'm like, I have no room. And I've had to decline offers from, like, you know, other things that people need to help with. And I'm like, you know, I, I wish I could, but I can't. Because I, I just have to step on my plate, you know. Um, and so I mentioned this to Father. And I was like, Father, I, you know, I've been asked a few times about, you know, from several people about taking on the welcoming ministry. And, you know, I can totally see myself. It's kind of like part of my personality already. Like being welcoming and just being happy and joyful and, and loving towards other people and like giving myself to other people without like expecting anything in return. Um, and just being really happy about that. Um, but I, I, you know, I didn't really know what to do. Like what, what am I supposed to do? Can I drop, can I drop a ministry? Is that even possible? Or, well, and then so I was kind of just going up to him for counsel and seeing what he had to say about it. And he was like, well, if if you can drop out of stewardship, but I still need John Perry's counsel. And he didn't even mention um, catechism, but I already knew in my heart, I was like, I am not leaving. Who's really And that's non-negotiable. Um overjoyed I started crying a little bit I was like oh because I really I didn't know I really wanted to do this so bad and so like 
I was put in the position. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up dropping stewardship and I took on this, um, the welfare ministry. Um, yeah, I kind of rambled. So I don't know if no, that's, your, a, that's, your a, or, that's okay. I mean, you're very easy to talk to you. Um, you aren't at a lack of words, you know, so I don't have to ask a lot of questions. It's, it's fun for me just to sit back and listen. Um, so yeah, don't feel like you're just rambling because it's, you know, a lot of us don't know how these things happen. You know, how do these committees form? How do people get on these committees? Who does what? You know, and that sort of thing. Um, it can be mysterious. And so you're giving us a little bit of behind the scenes kind of uh, look at things. Which is important. You know, it's absolutely important. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, um, it's kind of, it kind of all happened on its own. I wasn't really looking into, you know, joining or being a lead whatsoever. Um, I, I've always been used to being behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, more comfortable being behind the scenes, right? And someone, someone else represents us, right? Um, but now, in a way, I feel like God, God is, um, kind of trying to push me a little bit and kind of break out of my shell a little more so I can grow more, not just as a person, but also like kind of as um, a follower of Christ, you know, kind of facing your fears and just getting out there. Yeah. You you know, know? You're still kind of behind the scenes, though, in my mind anyway, because I remember when Rex told me about you, I, I remember thinking, I don't think I know who this is. I don't think I know Andrea. I don't think we've ever met. And yet, and, and I'm finding out now that you were a part of the welcoming ministry all the way back into January. Um, so I think you're still kind of, you know, behind the scenes for a lot of people. Good. <laughs> oh, good. You're saying you said good, huh? <laughs> well, but I mean, but just kind of in general, like, I like being behind the scenes. I really do. I don't like to give a ton of attention. Um, it could be on the spot, on the hot seat, and I don't really like that. I'm not very comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just in general, like on paper, okay, Andrea's going to be in charge of this. She's going to be responsible of this. Um, like it all falls on me. That's kind of new for me. So in a way, I feel like the Lord is pushing me to kind of, um, I don't know, be a bit more disciplined personally. and um, But also kind of... Um, I don't know, get out there more because when you're in a leadership position, you kind of have to reach out and do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to get to know people and maintain contact with people that you hadn't really been in touch with unless it was for that specific reason. Um, and so I feel like he's kind of pushing me to become a bit more extroverted. Um, I don't know how people view me as introverted or extroverted, but I kind of see myself as more introverted. Um, so yeah, in many ways, this ministry is going to, it has been challenging me already and pushing me to grow more and not just relationships with the Lord and, and myself, but also as a person, um, and getting to know the cathedralism better, getting to know the members and other parishioners and people who come visit and just getting to know them even better. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I'm super hyped about. I really like to meet people and making friends and helping out families, kids and stuff. Um, that's, I'm like a people person. 
So are, it, you, are you going to be more? Are you going to be more present at the beginning of masses then, as people walk in? Yes. So the whole. Um, so when we're welcoming, um, you know, we're welcoming people in for mass, mm-hmm. right? Handing out worship aids. Um, you know, good morning, good afternoon, depending on the time of day. Um, if we can speak their language, even better. Try to get to know their names. Um, try to get to know each other. Try to create friendships. Try to be friendly. Um, and don't do it. Don't don't be a fake, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to be as genuine and like put your heart into it. Just be as one hundred percent authentic. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, feel like people can. What? Well, I was just gonna say, I, I I would hope that we would be happy to see each other just naturally. Yeah. What so- I've experienced, <laughs> what I've experienced, especially in the eight o'clock mass uh-huh. when I was a greet, when I was a welcomer uh-huh. um, back, you know, months ago. Um, people aren't very happy. You know, they're still waking up. They haven't had their coffee yet. Oh. They're, so they're probably not very responsive. I don't know if that has changed now. This was months ago, almost mm-hmm. a year ago. Um, so I don't know if that has changed. Well, what if we open up, but, the, what if we open the cathedral up early and serve coffee before mass? <laughs> that would be a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Get everybody in a happy, happy mood before, uh, you know, I don't, you know, because I go to the eight o'clock mass and I don't know that it's a matter of being happy or not. I think people are just serious and their thoughts are on the mass. And I know when I'm when I'm thinking, I tend to not smile. Um, and so people might think something's wrong or that I'm upset when I'm not. I'm just deep in thought. Uh, however, when I when I do get greeted as I walk up and um and see people that makes then I kind of wake up to it and I smile and it makes me happy. So, um, I think just being having someone being very friendly and greeting in the morning and then at the eight o'clock mass, oftentimes it's only one person who's out there greeting, welcoming people. So it would be kind of cool to see maybe a couple more. That's just my thoughts. Yeah. On it. No, yeah, definitely. Um, my my hope is that for every mass we would have, you know, at least three people out there um, welcoming people in, you know, helping them feel welcome, um, you know, trying to have have them feel that they're part mm-hmm. of the of the cathedral family because um, I feel like that's what's missing. A lot of people that come in, they don't really feel like they're part of it. Like, oh, I'm here for church, but that's it. You know, I don't really feel any personal ties or I don't have any friendships, you know, besides like my family or some, you know, some someone. They don't have a lot of connections. And that's, so, that's kind of sad too, in a way. Yeah, and then that's, you know, then again, that comes back to highlighting that, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do um, uh-huh. as a parish together. Um, and there's always room to grow um, and be able to reflect God's love um, through friendship, through connections, through uh-huh. serving in this ministry, being welcoming strangers, people that we know, everybody, and yeah. treating them with love. Yeah, and I, and I see it growing from, you know, the, a welcoming team, welcoming ministry, to having a welcoming community where everyone feels like they're part of what we do is we welcome each other in as members of the body of Christ. We're there together. We're not just there for ourselves, but we're there for each other. And hopefully. Yeah. That, and hopefully what? 
Well, I was going to say, ho- ho- hopefully that 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 mentality grows, and uh, we we catch that from our welcoming leaders, ministers. Yes, that's that's the ultimate mission, right? Be- becoming a very welcoming parent, mm-hmm. becoming a really good example of hospitality when we're talking in terms of stewardship, um, being really hospitable to everyone. And there's this, there's this Bible verse from Matthew 25, um, 35, when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. Mm. And so like, that's like, ding, ding, ding. You know, Christ loves us and, you know, he welcomes us into communion with him. And our response, like our, our natural response should be in love, right? Mm-hmm. And and trying to involve our loving others and inviting them in that same love into a closer relationship with Christ. And we do that through ministry. We do that through saying hello. Um, hey, welcome in. Like, I'm so glad you're here. Like, come on in. Um, grab, a, grab a worship aid. Mm-hmm. And when they're leaving, you know, thank you so much for coming. We hope to see you next week. Or if there's an event going downstairs, outside welcome into like go participate like oh we have this um i don't know fundraiser going on or come check out the festival of trees um you know come have a cup of coffee with i don't know yeah. somebody uh, just, whatever and just get uh, them involved and make them feel part of exactly strangers aren't always visitors that we've never seen before a person can have been coming to the cathedral for a long time and still feel like a stranger because they don't really know anybody or have made any any uh, any connections with the other parishioners, so I think that's something that we. It's good for us to keep in mind that um, we don't know what people are going through, and um, just the willingness to to say hello and maybe maybe stick around for an extra five minutes instead of just rushing back to our cars and driving off to whatever's next. Yeah, very and yeah, definitely. And I think also like Jesus teaches us that. Like whenever we welcome people, especially the ones that you know we don't really know, or the least of our brothers and sisters, like the homeless, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know we welcome him. We welcome Christ Himself, and so like how how can we not be welcoming of of people who aren't our regular parishioners and not treat them with the same love when Jesus Christ is already like you know exalting us to to follow that and. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is present in every single one of us, and I feel like this mystery is going to help us um, see Christ in everybody, not just the people that we know, right? Not just the people that we are familiar with, but Mm -hmm, everybody. mm -hmm. And that's going to be a challenge for for all of us, I think, because, you know, we're out there, you know, with the people, and there's always going to be someone where, you know, they're not going to be as responsive as we would hope. Or they might challenge us, mm-hmm. right? But we just have to put our trust in the Lord and put our hope and our joy in, in the Lord and just be as loving as we can, even though we don't really feel love. Um, and I think that's kind of like a highlight for me because I feel like that's how our relationship with God is for mm-hmm. all of us. Because He loves us so much and He wants us to love Him back, but many times we don't. We don't show it. You know, there's and so a... I feel like that's kind of putting that in, in a practice. Yeah, there's a there's a, a job in monasteries. I don't know if it's still there, but it used to be, and they were called porters. And they were the they were the ones that would answer the door when someone would knock. 
Um, and there are many saints of the church that were porters. And all they did was they answered the door and they greeted people and they made them feel welcome. And yet they were, they were very saintly, saintly people. So it's not a ministry to be overlooked or to be diminished. It's a super important ministry of the church. Um, and I'm, I'm just excited that you, that you are so enthousiastic, enthusiastic about it. Uh, it really, uh, it bodes well for the future of that, of the ministry. And, um, I just pray that it, that it catches fire, you know, and then of course it is, it's God and the Holy Spirit that will catch the fire. And so we just need to keep praying and, um, and showing up, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I was just kind of giving an awareness to people who might be interested in helping or just in general, you know, like what welcoming ministry is all about. It's, it goes way beyond handing out worship days. And oh, worship. yeah, way beyond. It, go, it goes way beyond just standing out there and saying good morning or have a good day. You know, it goes much more. It's it's more getting out of your comfort zone, um, really trying to be reflecting God's love mm-hmm. in yourself. Uh, in your own person, because everyone's personality is different. That's just the beauty of of the welcoming ministry. Everyone has their own personality, but we're all reflecting the same love of Jesus Christ. That's right. Um, and trying to spread His spirit and try to spread His love um, to those other people, and then they can take that with them, and over time be transformed by that love, and then be able to share that love with you know other people in their community, with their mm-hmm. families, and in their homes, and then it just keeps spreading and spreading, you know, and, and little by little over time, hopefully, you know, our parish will become a, a very loving parish, very close-knit parish. Exactly. And, I, you know, I think we are a loving parish. We just have to let it out. Yeah, I think we're a bit scared yeah. <laughs> to let it out, yeah. or whatever it may be, but it's just something new, and, you know, just putting it into so I've been praying a lot, you know, mm-hmm. Lord, give me, you know, guidance, wisdom. Um, I want to be so anxious or worried about it or stressed out about the technical stuff too much, but more just kind of let things flow and not stop working. Yeah. yeah. Well, Andrea, this has been a wonderful, I don't know if you realize it, but it's been almost an hour. Um, yeah. So, and I've really enjoyed talking with you and I just, you know, love your enthusiasm and um, how you really don't really have a a lot of problem, you know, expressing yourself and talking about your own personal story. And I want to thank you for being open and and um, taking on this ministry and um, really, you know, being a point person to be an example for us in, in how to how to have a welcoming spirit. Um but I think we've we've come to a point now where we can wrap this up. Um, was there anything that you thought about prior to this, uh, to us talking together, that you were hoping you were going to be able to share about or talk about, or did we pretty much cover everything? Um, well, I kind of wanted to invite you know anybody who's listening who feels like they might would like to become involved and welcoming. Um, in the welcoming ministry, um, I invite you to, you know, play on it and you can reach out to me. Um, I can share my email if that's what it is. Now, is your, is your contact information in the bulletin also? Yes, actually, yeah, I just remembered. Um, yeah, you can grab a bulletin and um, my contact info will be there. Um, you can also check it out online. 
at Cathedral Sacramento, right? Uh, dot org. Dot org. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if you want to reach out to me, shoot me an email. Um, I'll be happy to chat with you and get to know you. Um, but yeah, it's just, I'm just hope, hopefully gather a nice group of welcomers to join us in this mission of becoming a very hospitable tourist um, in Latin Church. That's awesome. Okay, well, you know, let's go ahead and um, say the Our Father together and um, bring this uh, podcast episode to a close. All right. All right. So in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, Father, who who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done done on earth. As it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. I did. I hope you had a restful weekend. And I I did. And maybe I'll bump into you on Sunday. Hopefully. God willing. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And thanks for being on Let's Talk Parish. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Parish is co-produced by Rex Rolanka, Titi Kila, and Chris Jensen. Our theme music is Live and Be Happy by Valentina Tribanova. You can listen to Let's Talk Parish by going to the Cathedral website at cathedralsacramento.org or by searching on your favorite podcast app. Wherever you find us, please subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. A special thanks goes to the Rector of the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament, Father Michael O'Reilly. If you wish to donate to the cathedral, please visit our website at cathedralsacramento.org. There you will find a button labeled Donate. I'm Chris Jensen, and I have had the pleasure of being your host for this episode. Thank you for listening, and until we meet again, may God be with us all.